Cross the Streams podcast. Kip here. Um, our second version of what Kane and I are calling this segment that we're so excited about because it really supports a lot of the mission of, of our Cassione Foundation that's named after our dad. Um, repeat, reassure, and redirect. And we were lucky enough last week to have the wonderful staff from the Alzheimer's Association, Montana chapter, Angela, Jamie, Claire, were, were so great with their time and showing us and talking about the work they do, the help they have, the longest day fundraiser they've got coming up. And we're continuing that with the second episode in this version of the podcast with another special guest that we're really lucky to have. And I'm going to let him introduce himself to the pod. But it's it's been really awesome in, in putting up the information and using our small platform to help folks that are on the ground working um, in the industry, in the field with you know patients that have been diagnosed similar to our father, with care support ser- caregiver support services. It's just been really uh, fulfilling and uplifting, hopefully, for everybody. And we hope to do the same today uh, with somebody else from, from another lens. And uh, you know, I'm super excited. So, Doctor, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Gomi. Call me Reza. Uh, thanks for having me, Kip. I'm yeah happy to be here and, and share any information I can. Absolutely, and I actually got your information from. It's it's amazing that you know our father was a was a coach and educator in the Billings area for forty years, and when we had posted our announcement, one of his former students who had you know had a family member similar going through a, a Alzheimer's dementia situation mentioned you uh, in Frontier Psychiatry or I think you know you're the co-founder chief innovation officer and that it's been like connecting the dots so I really appreciate mm, you taking the right. time and give the audience to start off you know a sense of your journey you know and I'm sure it interweaves and intersects personally and professionally for you to lead you to where you are today because I've been on your LinkedIn and it's a heck of a scroll <laughs> so go ahead and, and just sure. let the audience know a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because I think Frontier Psychiatry is sort of the destination that had been waiting for me for, for a long time. But boy, you know how these things go along the way. There's a lot of kind of doubts and moments where, you know, you're not sure if you're on the right track. But going back to school, you know, I was kind of always a math and science kid. Um, I actually ended up in engineering first, worked for several years, about five years. Something was a little bit off, you know, like I felt like I wasn't quite connecting to people as directly as I, maybe I wanted, which, you know, I was learning. I was in my early 20s. So I ended up um, going back to school and I ended up going to medical school and I became, that's where I became fascinated with the brain, um, mm-hmm. specifically this field of neuropsychiatry and then even subspecializing in dementia. And then this whole time, I've actually been working on startups and companies to try to scale and help people with dementia while also seeing patients myself. And so after a couple other startups, um, getting my hands dirty, learning some basics, um, you know, I got together with Eric Arzubi, uh, and he's out of Billings, and we started Frontier Psychiatry. And so we actually do all of psychiatry, but my 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 focus is still dementia. That's my passion. That's my soapbox. And so uh, really happy to hear you. You know. <laughs> Hopefully a friend of yours had a good experience. Maybe that's why they mentioned. <laughs> yes, I so. think that was a, that's a quality testimonial for you, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and, that's exactly and I'm what it was. Pretty sure, frontier.care for for Frontier Psychiatry website. That's yeah. right. Frontier.care. You know, you you touched a little bit on it. You know, medical school, medical school, and then looking to scale and help specifically in this. Exp- I love the title innovation officer. 
I mean, it, it makes me think like, uh, like you mentioned, you're working with patients, but also like curiosity is a superpower and you get to chase things, I'm assuming, and, and go about. Yes. So talk a little bit about that in general. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes, you know, I was a little bit hesitant with that title because, you know, sometimes it can sound like a buzzword. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, OK, what, what really captures what I'm trying to do for our organization? Well, when I'm not seeing patients, you know, I spend the majority of my time really trying to build the platform that lets all our providers do the best job they do and lets more and more patients come to us, you know. And so innovation can take all kinds of forms, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, like SpaceX, you know, type of innovation. It can be <laughs> things like, for example, when COVID first kind of really took off, uh, most people were using like Teams and Zoom and those kind of solutions. Yeah. But guess what? Our farmers in Montana, they they can't get Zoom on their, you know, Walmart phones. Um, our, you know, rural area, they don't have good enough internet service. So we actually built, you know, we built our own video app that works on any device and doesn't matter if you have crappy internet. So that's just one example, like small innovation relatively to things like being able to do cognitive testing on a computer from a distance to be able to help you get your diagnosis of dementia. What part of, I mean, obviously medical school with the tech part of that, was that, is that just chasing curiosity? Is that connecting with folks in that field? In that it's amazing because it's, you're so right. Even thinking about the concept of, Hey, well, yeah, everybody was on zoom. Not if you're in the great fourth biggest state in the union, right. right? Right. Out there in in the middle of nowhere. That's exactly right. No, I mean, it's a lot of on the ground, you know, I've driven pretty much all over. I'm trying to hit every County in Montana, you know, and and in the surrounding States, but it's talking to folks just seeing in real time, what's the problem they're having. And I'm realizing, Oh, wow. Look at the phone they're holding and look at the connection, see what that issue is. Or they have no ability to drive to a specialist to do specialty cognitive testing or even a lot of times imaging. So we have to be creative. We have to find ways to reach them. So it's it's really all about being on the ground. And I, I know I, I put this in your original notes I sent you. Is that where brain check? Is that part of this innovation? Yep. And I know I put it later on, but it, it feels like a, a good fit right here. Yeah, Talk about brain check. Exactly. That came out of uh, a passion for trying to reach everybody and give everyone an idea of their cognitive function. Like if you're, you know, getting older, 50s, 60s, 70s, any age, and you're wondering, am I thinking, okay, is this normal aging or is something wrong right now? You know, you're going to be standing in line and paying a couple thousand dollars and spend all day. Right. And you might be waiting eight, 12, 14 months, but brain check was a way to do this uh, digitally and remotely because, the majority of patients don't need specialty testing, right? They, they, a, a smaller test can give them the answer they need. Did in, in, in focusing on the dementia, when you mentioned earlier, that was, that was where you felt like some of your passion for treatment and helping. Is that from a family history, like an exposure or did it, what stood out that made you get to this version of focus for your, in the field? You know, I'd have to, you know, the honest answer to that is, you know, I, I've had some exposure for sure. But uh, the real answer, I think, is I've had the luck of having such good mentors, and they happen to mm-hmm. be you know, part of them. Kind of brought me in that direction. When I was in medical school, I had an outstanding dementia doctor there, and then same at uh, University of Washington when I came out to the West Coast. Um, just an outstanding dementia clinic and training that really piqued my interest. On top of it, for me, the the brain was sort of this last frontier, if you will. You know, the excuse the play on words there, <laughs> but. You know, it, it's there's still so much left to learn about it. So I found that fascinating too. Yes. The, what about Montana? You know, you went to Washington, Seattle, and then Montana. Yep. I, mean, I love it. I spent 17 years of my formative years growing up there. But yeah. how, how Montana? That's a great question. Uh, you know, 
I love the outdoors. Uh, you know, it's funny. Part of me is very rural. You know, I've always had a dream since a young age of like having a farm, you know, and that kind of thing. And so as my training was advancing, I actually got a chance to meet Eric Arzubi, who is running psychiatry at one of the big hospitals in Montana. And so we got to talking. He was recruiting people uh, from Washington. And so I started doing some telehealth work remotely there. And he's an extremely charismatic guy. If you ever have the chance to meet him, just be careful because you won't leave his bubble, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, it didn't take long for him to get the juices flowing. And we had all kinds of ideas. That's awesome. And I, I the next phase, I'm going to take our first break. Uh, we'll talk a little about the KIF and the golf tournament coming up. And then when we come back, I really want to dive into your approach to, to treatment and, and, and go. This has really, really been awesome to start with. We'll be right back. The Cassione Foundation exists to help raise funds to battle Alzheimer's, dementia, to support caregiver support services, and to benefit any individuals or causes we feel exist in line with the moralities and belief systems of the namesake of our foundation, our dad. Cassione. To learn more about ways you can help support the Cassione Foundation, visit our website, CassioneFoundation.org. All right, we're back. Doctor, talk a little bit about, I know there's, it's probably too general, like trying to narrow so many different approaches depending on the patients, but your overall philosophy and approach, because it's such a, you know, our grandmother had it, obviously our father has it now, and, and we know a lot of folks, and in going through it, it's such a I feel like it's a thief, right? It's a thief in some ways of, of who people were and who they could be, but talk about your, your approach in, in, in treating. Yeah, and, and, and my approach is something I'm trying to help uh, along the way change the stigma, not just for patients actually, but we have to acknowledge first and foremost as providers, what we do to uh, contribute to that stigma unintentionally, right? Mm. So for example, a lot of providers these days, primary care doctors, unfortunately will still say, and this is not you know, to anyone's fault, this is a system level improvement that's needed for education. But a lot of times the message to patients is, oh, you know, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Or there's a hesitancy to make the diagnosis because there's kind of a fear of, oh, there's nothing to do. That really yeah. is not true anymore. We, you can have a multi-year impact on folks simply by diagnosing and doing some of these basic interventions. You can make sure people stay home years longer than if they don't mm. have that information. That's what really drives me. So I'm, I'm really excited to help people empower them with the information, uh, a, a clear diagnosis, and then a clear treatment plan. That's what that's kind of my formula. Um, and believe it or not, it doesn't sound like much, right? But in these fields, when you're on the cutting edge, it's it's a big push. I mean, I always tell people, think about where cancer was in the 1970s, right? It was taboo. Nobody yeah. wanted to diagnose you because it was a death sentence. And so there, it was a very uh, unstructured and the quality was very poor. Yeah. We're just starting to kind of hit that stride with dementia and realizing, oh, wait a second, there's a lot we can do. And there's a lot of research being done. That's uh, even in your in your answer there, like there was more hope in your answer than I think we've than we than we originally felt. Right. And right. it's not to blame any any. We've had right. great work with great people. And but similar, like even the thought. And I think some of that's probably scar tissue from the 80s when, when my mom's mom had it, which was like you mentioned, a completely different time oh, yeah. in the field. You know, one of the things since we announced, um, you know, a lot of folks reaching out, how can we help? And then I'm getting tons of articles about the new drugs and the new drugs yep. and the new drugs. Yep. And Kip, you got so I, I mean, I give you the floor for that because I know that the folks from the Montana chapter were really frustrated with the insurance coverage currently of if, if I understand it right. Absolutely. So it's been approved, but you yep. No, but nobody can get it. So I'll let you kind of dive into that and explain. Sure thing. You know, 
and uh, without you know going too much into the weeds, and, and this is something I can I'm happy to talk to with folks you know, <laughs> uh, for those that are really interested. But you know, at a high level, the field has been really focused on a hypothesis of dementia, this amyloid and tau protein hypothesis, for a long time. And we just have to look at the big picture. Is there's a lot of inertia with that, right? A lot of research projects started many many years ago and invested a lot of money, and you know, there's a push to see that to completion, even though over the last about 10 to 15 years, we're pretty clear that that's actually not really the solution and, and a very small part of the solution. So wow. now to inject some optimism, there are hundreds of clinical trials focused on other more promising pathways, but this is what feeds the current uh, climate is we do have some drugs that have made it to market, you know, or they've, they've made it through part of FDA or, or all of FDA, but Medicare has largely denying use or not really wanting to pay for it because it's so expensive and the evidence is not great. Mm -hmm. So FDA approval is just one hurdle, right? The real hurdle uh, is who's going to pay for it. Right. So, right. And that, I think that's, that's the where we are. They were very, and they were talking about their advocacy programs, you know, at the legislative level, at the, the federal level. Exactly. But, you know, aside from the drugs, things that, I mean, I think we have a lot of caretakers that listen, you know, a lot of my mom's circle that have, mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of them have been touched by this and have a, a, a partner or a brother, sibling um, for yeah. caretakers. What What is your usual, not usual, what's messaging for them? Absolutely. And that's a big part of what I do is working directly with the caretaker. So one of my biggest concerns is care, caregiver, caretaker burnout, right? Yes. If that happens, then we're all in trouble, right? So yes. I need it's funny. I tell my patients, you know, I need, I need your caretaker to be even happier than you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. Right. In order to get there, we focus on things like I really push hard for people to consider some in-home caregiver support. And guess what? When I can work on getting the clear diagnosis and that dementia is there on the chart, insurance will kick in and pay for that. It'll help with that. So that's a big part of why I do that. Now you get caregiver support. There's a lot of community, you can be really creative, you know, from church activities to like YMCA's to senior homes. There's all kinds of community resources kind of hidden around that we help on. Alzheimer's Association is great at doing that. I send folks there a lot to find these things. And so it's a lot about giving the caretaker some space, giving them permission that guess what? You don't need to be on 24 seven. That's mm -hmm. not a reasonable expectation, but what I recognize is a lot of, a lot of caretakers feel that burden or yeah. feel like they can't take a break. And that's right. simply not true. So it's it's a lot of giving permission and and you know support. Rhonda, I know you're listening right now, Mom. I know you're listening. Did did you hear that? But that you know, and it is. It's uh, it's I don't burden's a completely wrong word, but responsibility. Responsibility. And that's yeah. my life partner. I have to be here twenty four. One of the, I think one of the questions, and I'm sorry I didn't send this one to you. One of the questions I think we've asked in as 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 sons is in the repetition of the questions when you're dealing when we're dealing with our dad. And I think I saw a little bit of this in reading about repeat, reassure, redirect. But do you have advice or best practices for loved ones? And you know, in our father in the stage he's in, we're still sitting watching games. Mm -hmm. He knows it's us, but I'm going to get the same question 45 times. And right. I know I know it's is he yeah, what thoughts, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's a pretty good, you know, like kind of acronym to to follow, but yeah, I'm, one of the biggest thing is, you know, resist the urge uh, to correct. And so, you know, go along with it. You know, if you got sick of answering the same question, you know, you've already answered two or three times, feel free to change the subject. Mm. You can redirect. It's actually 
pretty easy to do. And I promise they won't be offended, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I think those are, those are great rules to follow, but don't be afraid to like be yourself. Um, you don't have to be like putting on a show, right? Say what's comfortable to you. Talk about something that you want to talk about. They feed off of that energy. If you're happy, you know, that's going to come off. In the the science of, of the dimension, I know you, like you mentioned, you could go all day with it. Is there, I, I'm assuming there's there's different levels and each patient probably is different. What is truly happening? Is, is it, is it, you know, I mean, what is going on that's causing either the repetition, the lock, the forget, you know, it, it, I know it's it's being researched, but when you explain it to folks, Sure. I mean, what we know now is dementia is a process that's starting much earlier in life than we've thought previously, oh. meaning by the time I'm diagnosing you at, uh, with Alzheimer's, let's say at 75, it may have started actually like the pathology, you know, in your 50s. Oh, wow. So even 20 plus years before that. And what's happening then are little subtle changes that are not going to be picked up by by uh, everyday type of tests. Although, Believe it or not, we, we there are tests that will pick up molecular changes decades ahead of time. Wow, um, those are making their way towards you know prime yes. time. And I'm now, assuming early early detection is is beneficial. Absolutely, the earlier we detect, and that's the thing that's a little bit changing the stigma, right? Is the earlier we detect it, the more you can do. But mm. a lot of people I know are scared uh, to give that information, or sometimes they think they don't want it. My experience has been almost universally positive in early diagnosis. People are relieved. They feel empowered. Humans want certainty. Sometimes that certainty is not good, you know, in terms of good news, but it's still better than uncertainty. Mm, yes. Instead of running from it, like let's, we got to embrace it and it's okay to grieve, but now you might have access to, to, exactly. to certain things as you go. What, what's the best for, and I don't want to say folks are listening and now like, oh my gosh, I'm 52. I should go get tested. What, right. what, what are, are there signs or there symptoms that it may be sure. beneficial to go get looked at? Yeah. And a lot of times in my teaching, you know, I always point out there's normal signs of aging. And as we get older, it's normal in your fifties to kind of slow down a little bit. What's mm -hmm. not normal is your language, meaning your actual ability to use words and do math actually shouldn't change. That should stay really good for the whole, your whole life. You might do it a little bit slower though. So people will beat themselves up and say, oh, man, it just takes me a little longer to, you know, get this right word or do this math problem. That's OK. Mm. But if you're not getting to it or it's really tripping up, other people are noticing yeah, that's probably a time to come see your doctor, you know, and ask that question. Do the cognitive screening test. Um, but just remember, there is normal aging. Um, mm. But you're, you're looking for things that are really tripping you up, you know, like, oh, I'm missing multiple appointments or I paid that mm. bill two or three times and I've never done that before. And again, be careful. You don't want to be uh, missing the fact that, oh, I have sleep apnea that hasn't been treated, right? I'm not right. sleeping. I've got anxiety or depression. You know, I've got like a low vitamin levels. There's a lot of uh, mimics of dementia out there. Oh, that's a great term. Great term. But I I'm, I'm, I know in our family, just because of the history, it was always like, did, did mom forget that number? What, right. what are you looking at? You know, it, talk about the genetics of it. Is there genetic correlation? Sure. Is it in the family? Sure. This is actually a hot topic and it became even hotter when uh, things like 23andMe or those kinds of products became popular when they started offering the health kits because right. most of those almost exclusively, they just test for the APOE protein and gene. So do you have one or two of these copies of this APOE? And just to put in perspective, even if you have both, which is a very small portion of people, it will increase your odds of dementia six to 8% overall. So to give a, a better comparison, 
having midlife hearing loss is even about the same or bigger risk than that. So it's a small risk relative, you know, if you took away smoking and diabetes and, you know, uh, obesity and all kinds of stuff, right. That's a much, much bigger risk than having that genetics. Now, are there families that have a high risk of dementia that run in the family? There are early onset dementia cases like early onset Alzheimer's. There's familial clusters. There's actually a pretty famous family that has some uh, family members in the Idaho, I'm sorry, the North Dakota and Montana region. They were in the news recently. Um, but that's an extremely small number of people. So even if it runs in your family, if your mother or grandmother has it, almost always it's later in life. And I always reassure people, does it increase your risk? A tiny bit, but it's not, I always tell people it's not enough to worry about. It's definitely enough to take good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are out there thinking they have, you know, uh, this dementia sentence that's waiting. Right. Yeah. It's just lurking over you. Right. Yeah. The, with it had me thinking about when you mentioned the the APO the the gene it had me thinking of Chris Hemsworth the actor I think he was yes on TV and they told him that right and it was viral immediately yes. Thor is going to forget who he is right I, I thought that was that was an example personally I thought was very unfortunate I think probably the scientific and academic community are, are generally on the same page about this that unfortunately probably really stoked fear way beyond what was justified. He's going to be fine. The chances he's going to have dementia are still very low. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's one of those Great. cases, a little unfortunate, but it's probably making a lot right. of people scared, you know. Oh, my goodness. And that poor man on camera, right, yeah. watching that. <laughs> what other, other developments, exciting advancements? I, I think I really appreciate a lot of what you said has been sure. hopeful and optimistic. Other things that maybe folks aren't aware of. Sure. You know, I think we're actually uh, within a few years, if I dare say, is my estimate, um, but we're getting pretty close to having a peripheral blood biomarker for dementia, meaning a simple blood test. You know, right now there's some like spinal fluid tests and there's much harder tests. Those are hard to convince people to do. So the diagnostic field is really heating up and there's a lot of very interesting tests coming up. I think in the next few years, we're going to see some of these hit the market. There's also a number of treatments that are all very promising, all making a dent. So it's definitely, uh, there's you know, a lot of reason for hope um, to extend the life uh, of anyone with dementia. What, if, are, are my, and when, when you say Alzheimer's, you say dementia, are you saying the same thing? Are they different categories? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's a really, really uh, smart to, to um, sort out. When I say dementia, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm using that to include other types of dementia. So Alzheimer's okay. is one type of dementia, okay. but you know, there's vascular dementia, Lewy body dementia are also very common. And, and then a whole lot of others too, but yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it. Cause I know when we got the di- diagnosis, they said dementia, Alzheimer's type. Yes. That's not, right. That's what my mom. Exactly. Okay. The, for, for folks that hear this and they're like, oh my gosh, this is my, do- this is who I want. This is the doctor frontier psychiatry <laughs> is what's the funnel. What's the flow. Cause it's not walk in and ding. I'm right. Honest, right. I- yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, if anyone, if, if you go to our website, thefrontier.care, I mean, you can have an appointment probably within 90 seconds. It doesn't take long to, so we try to make it as easy as possible. Any doctor can fill out a referral on our website too and refer you. So we, we try to make it, yeah, as easy as possible. That's that's amazing. For you, and I, I say this as some uh, educator, former coach, always like, what are my pathways to growing and developing? What is that for you? I mean, obviously innovation is part of your job. Is it journals? Is it stuff? What? Where are you growing in in all the things you you are you're working on and, and learning about? I rely heavily on my academic colleagues to keep me mm-hmm. up to date with things. So, for example, today I, I attended a journal club 
uh, at University of Washington online. Um, so I, I really, you know, a lot, really grateful for the academic community because they're they're still pushing the boundaries with research. They're really pushing, um, you know, having the time to have these discussions and present this information. So I really try hard to attend those. Um, I like to do a lot of travel, go to conferences, um, and just talk to a lot of stakeholders and 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 keep my eye right on patients. You know where where the goal is, like who am I serving, and what can I keep building to help them. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of what I do. That's amazing. No, I I appreciate you. So much information in this. Oh, you know what I want to do before I let you go. I know I put this in the list and, and you've already mentioned like your co the co-founder and some other, who is your team? You know, I, I know our dad yeah. was a lifetime coach. We've both been coaches for our whole adult lives and we're used to the team. And I, and I, you know, and, and as marvelous as you are, I'm sure there's folks that, you know, you wouldn't get through the door without them. So feel free to shout them out and, and absolutely work with. I mean, a big shout out to, I mean, everyone at frontier psychiatry, but when it comes to dementia care, it is, it's required that it's a team uh, sport. I mean, you have to have someone who's really uh, helping you with kind of care management. And a lot of times this is a social worker. So I have some outstanding social workers on the team. Mm -hmm. um, we have medical assistants and they are like the, the front kind of the troops in front. They make sure everything's in order before, during, after the appointment. Um, and so these are the ways we keep patients close to us. So it's not just relying on if or when they see me, you know, once every few months, we've got touch points every single month. Um, we're making sure that that treatment plan is being followed and that increases their well-being, you know, the success mm -hmm. of the treatment. So yeah, it comes and, and even all the way to the schedulers, right? Like making sure that you have to be sometimes really creative in tracking people down, right? Like, oh, you know, Mr. Smith's not answering his phone. I'm going to call his wife. I'm going to yeah, call his daughter. You know, okay, I'm going to call yes. his pastor. You know, yes. We don't give up. I, you know, I know my my down. folks are so horrible with their iPhones. I don't know how yeah, exactly. you know, they, people, you're totally right. Like, right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you, doctor. Really appreciate it. Um, it's It's been amazing. And well, frontier.care again uh, for folks with Frontier Psychiatry and the amazing team you just shouted out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kip, for having me. Yeah. Always a pleasure. It's, 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 it's just us, baby.